gather near The doctor's in the house So lend him your ears The things he can say Might even make your day He might even help your pain go away The doctor is in the house The doctor is in the house Let the doctor know what's bothering you Dr. Ron, host of Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all that you do for this program and making it such a success. Ladies and gentlemen, this program contains general medical information. The medical information hurdle in this program is not advice and should not be treated as such. You are encouraged to confirm any information obtained from this program with other sources and review all information regarding any medical condition or treatment with your physician. So as I have done for the last five years, and uh, I welcome you with an attitude of gratitude. And sometimes we only experience this gratitude during the holiday season. But we should have this attitude uh, throughout our life and be thankful for the gifts that we have and what we can accomplish. So why is it that we stop making this a practice? Having an attitude of gratitude, as I've told you, makes you happier, but did you know it can also make you healthier? One reason is because a feeling of gratitude makes us see things from a more optimistic point of view and being optimistic has been shown to lower blood pressure, help you get a better night's sleep and increased longevity. It also helps us to bounce back faster from stressful situations. Having an attitude of gratitude also makes us a kinder person. We become more trusting, more social, more appreciative. As a result, it makes us friendlier and even deepens our existing relationships. So these are great reasons to be grateful. But what about those things that you never thought you could possibly be grateful for? Let me tell you about a small group of Holocaust survivors who never imagined being grateful for fleas, of all things, fleas. Their assignment was to make socks for the German soldiers. The wool used to make the socks was infested with fleas. The cruel German soldiers would avoid them and their working area as not to be attacked and bitten by the fleas. The survivors later told their rescuers that they would Give thanks for every day to the fleas. So, ladies and gentlemen, with attitude of gratitude, I want to get on with today's program. Dr. Peskin, who was going to be our guest today, had an unfortunate situation there. So he cannot be on this week, but he will be on next week at 4 p.m. live. Dr. Peskin is a the reigning expert on parrot essential oils and fish oils. Remember, fish oils are antifreeze for cold water fish. They are consumed in mega pharmaceutical doses. And the fats you consume, ladies and gentlemen, are critical. In fact, the Canadian physician, uh, uh, Dr. Matheson, can 
adds to this by saying that parent essential oils, and that was a, that is a term coined by Brian Professor Brian Peskin. Uh, they are critical to our our health. They can they help us have less cravings for sweets and greater appetite fulfillment, decrease stress levels, healthier, smoother skin, decrease cellulite, ladies, or cellulite as some people say. Stronger, smoother fingernails, more luxurious, faster-growing hair, fewer and less severe headaches, increased hormonal efficiency and production, increased athletic endurance and faster recovery, faster healing from surgery and other procedures, less pain, maximum anti-inflammatory ability. So Dr. Peskin, uh, Professor Peskin has been studying these. He's an MIT person. He is very scientific, and he goes by the studies. And there's a lots of studies to be reviewed by Parent Essential Oils. We'll go through them next week. But just as to introduce the subject, two patents, two drugs have been just recently withdrawn from studies by pharmaceutical companies, and you know how they are. They like to make money because then they have not shown to be of any benefit. The ASCEND trial, A-S-C-E-N-D, a study of cardiovascular events in diabetes, 15, over 15,000 patients over age 40. Bottom line, non-significant decrease in all-cause mortality by 5%. Non-significant. And study after study, have not shown any significant advantage to using the pharmacological fish oils, which are antifreeze for fish. There was a reduced study, R-E-D-U-C-E-I-T. No benefit. And that study cost $300 million dollars funded by a pharmaceutical company. $10 a day drug. Okay. These are randomly controlled trials. You cannot retract a trial. You can retract a study because of the uh, statistical errors and so forth, but you cannot retract a study which looks at other studies. So Dr. Peskin will be uh, talking about uh, them next week. And before I get on with what I thought we would talk about today, I have to definitely uh, mention the coronavirus, of course. But I just want you to know that our, our aim here is to give you an education so you can make your own decisions. As we say, we want you to be the CEO of your own body. And last week, we talked about testosterone in men, and doesn't a study come up this week that shows that low-fat diets further decrease testosterone? 106,000 deaths a year from properly prescribed medication. Okay. There's a book that I'll quote from shortly when I find my note. Uh, about the covert chemical warfare that's going on now. That chemical covert chemical warfare means that over the over four billion prescriptions for drugs in the United States, average of thirteen prescriptions for each man, woman, and child. A new prescription every month for every American. When you include over-the-counter drugs, 40,000 pills taken in a lifetime. Over 100,000 deaths per year from properly prescribed drugs. So we have doctors prescribing medication, a pill for every ill. We have physicians doing a lot of unnecessary testing. 
22% of prescription medications, according to one study, are felt to be unnecessary. 24.9% of medical tests, unnecessary. 11.1% of all procedures, unnecessary. This in in a book called Death by Modern Medicine. You have to be the CEO of your own body and learn what is significant and what isn't. So the take-home message here, even if a drug or a treatment is so-called, quote-unquote, backed by science, this does not guarantee that it's safe or effective. Likewise, if an alternative treatment has not been published in a medical journal, it does not mean it is unsafe or ineffective. Okay, so lots of things going on. Let me share with you something that came across my desk on January 9th of this year. When you've got a life-threatening form of heart disease, you know, and you're told this, you're quite vulnerable. What do I got to do, doc? What, tell me, tell me what to do. So your cardiologist will look at all the latest research and recommendations and make a decision about what is safest and most effective for you. Because after all, he wants to save your life. But according to data discovered by um, a writer named Melissa Young, there's been hidden data. Um, especially about one of the most common heart procedures. And your physician may have been misled. So here it is. It's called the coronary cover-up. It's called a trial XL, E-X-C-I-L trial. It was supposed to determine the safest way to treat folks with left main coronary artery disease. Okay, that's called the Widowmaker, left main coronary artery. That gets blocked. Until this trial was completed and its results announced, most doctors performed bypass surgery to clear the obstruction of that artery. But when Excel came out, the results showed that you had another option. You could stent it, and you won't have to be, have an operation. And they, they, they said it didn't pose any additional risks. The heartbreaking truth is it turned out not to be true because there was data that was damning to the trial that was buried by the investigators. In reality, it turns out the patients who received stents showed a massive 80% increased number of heart attacks than received open heart surgery. But that's not what the study's findings said in 2016, because those results were never published. They were never supposed to find out about them. We weren't supposed to find out about them. Specifically, the authors of Excel trial tried to make it look like there was zero difference in hazards between two operations performed on heart patients. One, an open heart procedure, and we call that coronary artery bypass. The second, the insertion of a stent to open up that blocked or narrowed artery called a percutaneous percutaneous coronary intervention, but that was far from the truth. In reality, not only did the stent patients experience more heart attacks, they also had significantly higher rate of mortality. And this, according to Melissa Young, we're just finding out about. After Medical societies across the globe adjusted their official recommendations, according to that study, and elevated the priority for stent surgery. How many heart patients were needlessly put at risk because they received the wrong advice? Hard to say. Thankfully, one Excel team investigator came out and said that they were misrepresenting the actual findings of the trial, and he quit the trial, and he called them out publicly. Otherwise, we may never have known this, according to Melissa Young. 
But now other experts are trying to put the kibosh on his concerns. One Harvard expert claims that the controversy over suppressed results has been sensationalized in the public sphere. He even went so far as to say the debate over results should be left in the hands of academics, not the public. But guess what? Even industry fellow academics were not privy to what actually happened in this Excel trial. And the guy that's saying that we shouldn't pay attention to it, he's paid by Abbott Vascular, a major manufacturer of coronary stents. And guess what? They were also the sponsor of the trial. So at the same time this Excel results came out, there was another trial called Noble, N-O-B-L-E. And they came up with the opposite conclusion from Excel. I guess the, the, the cardiologists and so forth weren't paying a very close attention to these two different studies, one showing the opposite result of the other. So, ladies and gentlemen, obviously, avoiding open-heart surgery is great if you can do it because of the inherent risk of any kind of major procedure. And the long hospital stay, the extended recovery time. So getting a stent might seem like a better alternative. But you have to know the truth about stents. And this is the rest of the story. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, just just so much on my desk today that uh, it's going to be hard to to, to cover it all just in uh, today. It's just incredible. Uh, we were going to be talking about parent essential oils, and we're talking about everything else. And let me just bring another study to to your attention. This is from 2017. This is from the website that physicians read called Medscape. So this is the quote-unquote flu season, if you believe in the flu, okay? As I told you a couple weeks ago, if you want to find out if you are immune to certain viruses and whatever, they do a test called antibody test. If you have the antibodies to that virus or for whatever they're testing, then you're immune. But now they flip that around. They say now, if you have the antibodies, that's a diagnostic test that you have a virus and that you need a vaccine. Figure that out for me. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, NSAIDs, used during acute respiratory infection, increase the risk of acute myocardial infarction 3.4-fold if taken by mouth and 7.2-fold if you give it parenterally. Published in the Journal of Infectious Diseases, February 2nd, 2017. So, we know that Tylenol is toxic to the liver. So if you have a cold, uh, what do you do? You let that fever burn that virus out. Okay, because you could be giving yourself a heart attack if you take the NSAIDs. And it is because studies have not previously examined the effect combining an NSAID with acute respiratory infection. So until this was studied. So chance of acute myocardial infarction if you take an NSAID. Well, I guess you're never safe, but you have to know the risks. So if you're going to take it. So let me tell you about a couple of things we have planned before we go on. Probably one of the most fascinating books I've read and that I am rereading now is called The Fourth Phase of Water by Dr. Greg Pollack. Water has been known to have three phases. A solid phase, a liquid phase, and a vapor phase. Solid in ice, liquid in what you drink, and vapor when you boil it in steam, you see steam. 
Dr. Pollock and his laboratory have discovered a fourth phase. Easy, two letters, E and Z, easy water, an exclusion zone. It's the gel phase of water. It has lots of properties. It's highly charged. Now, water is about two-thirds of our weight, right? We're about two-thirds water. But because the molecule is so small, it's in over 99% of our cells. Cells. So water is really important. As Dr. Pollock said, though, it's not in vogue to talk about water. But water may have memory. Water may have other characteristics that have to be studied. For For example, water is heavier than air. So why doesn't it just fall fall out of a cloud? What keeps it up there? Is there a fourth phase that keeps everything together in a gel-like fashion? You know, what makes the earth spin? Dr. Pollock's brain is incredible, and he's studying all this stuff. So we will talk uh, to Dr. Pollock in February. And uh, in the next couple weeks, we'll have a... Compounding pharmacist, one of the best pharmacists that I know, Joe Catalano. He has Apothecare 3, uh, 360 Pharmacy in, in Fort Myers. And he's going to be talking about uh, hemp and CBD. He's really an expert in it. And he knows a lot. And uh, so we'll have him and, and have him give a lecture on uh, what you should look for when you when you buy these products and what you can expect from them. Okay, they're just part of a program of being healthy. A lot of people ask me about dementia. They're worried about dementia. Did a program on this about 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 a month ago, and you know you could listen to that one. And I talked there about the the treatable forms of dementia, the kind that's caused by drugs, anticholinergic drugs, uh, subclinical hydrocephalus, where too much water builds up in the brain. Lyme disease or other diseases can mimic dementia symptoms. Subdural hematoma. You want to make sure that you're labeled properly, okay, that you go to a physician and and get the proper testing. Recently now, though, and uh, I use it in my house, using life therapy. And there are many trials going on right now, some of them using headsets, some of them using walls of light, LED and infrared light, some of it through the nose and through the skull with people with Alzheimer's. And believe it, early results are showing that patients regain memory and reading and writing skills after three months of treatment. Pretty neat, right? Light. And we do talk, when we talk to Dr. Pollock, we're going to talk about light because that seems to be the factor that structures water, that puts it into that fourth phase. So this is a really exciting time because there is no drug that you can take for dementia or Alzheimer's at this time. And they're drugs, but they don't do anything. So we'll wait uh, for further uh, studies. But again, you know, if you can afford it, you might want to look into uh, some red light and near-infrared light treatment as a preventive. And, you know, sunlight has been demonized for many, many, many years now. And we've been slathering these toxic chemicals on our body called sunscreens that themselves can cause skin cancer. And now we're finding out those oxybenzone and different ingredients in there can stay in our bodies for three weeks. Wow. They had us believing we were doing something good. Sunlight is a beneficial frequency. It's essential and vital for our health. And one of the reasons the investigators started using infrared is because 40% of the rays in sunlight are infrared. 
saying the red and near red frequencies increase very beneficial enzymes. So this ATP, uh, Dr. Pavlik again will talk about that, this energy production molecule that is in our mitochondria, that can be stimulated in response to near-infrared exposure. Triggers the mitochondria to produce additional ATP. So it could be said that your body is fueled by the good nutritious food that we eat and sunlight. And guess what? When you snuggle with your significant other, you transmit infrared light to each other. You know, even in a dark room, you put on the night goggles, there's light. There's infrared light there. Okay, so we're never completely in the dark. Most allopathically trained physicians, though, I don't think they consider light as an energy source, but it is a powerful fuel for your body. And uh, one of the reasons why so many neurodegenerative diseases is skyrocketing, in my opinion, is because everybody is avoiding sensible sun exposure. Do you know that people living in northern latitudes have a higher rates of death from dementia and Alzheimer's than those living in sunnier areas? And it could be the vitamin D that we get. Vitamin D probably would be a, a prescription drug if it, if it was released today. That's how powerful vitamin D is. And we'll have an optometrist on later when he gets a chance because there's some studies that show that looking in the retina and retinal screening can detect Alzheimer's disease years before the symptoms develop. There's a $5 million study going on right now. Instead of going through these very expensive PET scans that look for amyloid plaque and it's not covered by insurance. But they found, you know, you might be able to see these in the retina in your doctor's office. So we're going to look forward to that. And remember, you know, control the things that you have control over. So this brain photobiomodulation, you know, if this is a prevention and novel treatment, you know, we may recommend it for everybody. What else can you do? Well, exercise. Okay, that increases certain factors in your brain. Stress reduction, and I can't uh, emphasize enough the optimizing your sleep. Critical for cognitive function and nutritional support. A good night's sleep, like our parents used to tell us. Some will say a keto diet can nourish your mitochondria and improve your insulin resistance. So we're looking forward to the, some of these studies coming uh, to fruition. And, uh, you know, two weeks ago we had uh, Phil Safer on talking about colloidal silver. And one of the things that everybody is concerned about is turning blue. Well, let's see if we can put this that to read to rest right now. Dr. Gordon Pedersen talked about this fellow known as the Blue Man. He died in 2013. You know what his death certificate stated? He was treated for pneumonia. He had recently suffered a heart attack and a stroke. But get this, the colloidal silver did not contribute to his death. Silver caused non-medical cosmetic change in his skin. That's called argyria. And as Mr. Safer said, properly made colloidal silver, not, not taking gallons a day, does not cause this condition. This, this fellow made homemade colloidal silver because he wanted to neutralize lots of things that he had, like psoriasis, 
dermatitis, skin rashes, reflux, arthritis, and digestive disorders. He made the decision, make his own, and extremely high concentrations. And he decided to self-medicate himself with these high doses. He took 10 ounces a day, sometimes as much as a half a gallon every day, when normal doses are about a half an ounce a day, as Phil would have said. So when Matt Lauer interviewed him, he said, the acid reflux problem I've been having just went away completely. I had arthritis in my shoulder so bad I couldn't pull off a T-shirt. The next thing I knew, it was gone. When Lauer asked Paul if the colloidal silver cured his health conditions, he replied, there's not the slightest doubt in my mind. So he continued to drink it. That was his choice. That was his choice. He took more than anybody recommends. So what did Paul receive from taking his colloidal silver? Well, as reported, he became well. He no, no longer suffered psoriasis or rashes. The silver destroyed the causes of his health conditions. His arthritis went away. His acid reflux resolved. The silver stained his skin, but the process took years. And he could have stopped it, but he continued. He received social support for his skin color. He received media attention for being blue. He lived a better quality of life because the silver resolved his worst health conditions like arthritis. So what, what, what does the science say? The science says he turned blue only after ignoring health recommendations for silver. He did not start to turn blue until months of overdosing on his homemade silver. <clears throat> the silver that he used to uh, he used to stain his skin was homemade, unregulated. And I must point out, extremely high doses taken over, dec- over a decade. He ignored the warning signs. His autopsy showed that he had no medical condition caused by silver, but the silver caused cosmetic changes only. Those cosmetic changes being the blue color skin. So... You can turn blue, but you're not going to die from it, according to this article. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's, uh, before we wrap it up uh, for the day, let's talk a little bit about the coronavirus. Okay. Um, I want to summarize two reporters, one John Rappaport and uh, the other Steve Warwick, because we've been down this path before. Okay, and remember the Chinese aren't the most accurate at reporting anything, and you'll see the CDC has its problems too about reporting. So in 2005, what do we have? We had the bird flu from Asia. What was that going to do? Race, race across the globe and kill millions of innocent people. Remember that bird virus somehow jumped species and began infecting humans, a pandemic was looming. What you might not know, as reported, the big drug companies then used the bird flu scare to convince Western governments throughout Europe, America, and Canada into stockpiling billions, with a B, billions of dollars worth of the worthless antiviral drug Tamiflu. In fact, I read today where uh, a whistleblower from Roche uh, is uh, started a case uh, that the drug is absolutely worthless and looking for Roche to pay lots of damages. Indeed, taxpayer money was used to buy up just about every available bottle of the antiviral drug worldwide as a means of helping, quote, prevent a coming pandemic, unquote. In the U.S. alone, a staggering $1.3 billion in taxpayer money was used to buy up this reserve of Tamiflu. And governments spent nearly $9 billion of taxpayer money on the same drug worldwide. Guess what? As suddenly as appeared, the bird flu disappeared. And we got stuck with all the, all the expenses. 
And studies showed that the antiviral drug had was determined later only to cut one half a day off the course of a typical viral infection. Think about it. Who never loses? The drug companies. There's a book written by, written by Dr. Peter Gotch, the famous Cochrane collaborator, states in his book, Deadly Medicines and Organized Crime, how big pharma, pharma has corrupted healthcare. Organized crime is the business model of big pharma. All right, here quickly, just down memory lane. How about the swine flu epidemic of 2009? We were told that was caused by a bird virus that mysteriously combined with a pig virus and mutated to infect humans. We were assured that tens of thousands of people were already infected throughout the United States and millions would die. Everyone was urged to run out and get their flu shots as fast as you could. The flu shots sold out in days. And you know what else sold out? Face masks. But there was a CBS reporter named Cheryl Atkinson. She reported, as it turned out, that the health authorities had not even been checking sick people for the swine flu virus. Indeed, the CDC, FDA, and other health authorities were simply attributing every single upper respiratory illness in the U.S. that year to the swine flu. So they could claim that it killed 22,000 Americans when in reality they couldn't point to a single death from the actual swine flu virus. In fact, they weren't, they weren't doing blood tests anymore. They stopped doing it. There was normal flu that year, though. Okay, but remember, when they say it killed 36,000, they include people with pneumonia in that number. But everybody got their flu shot. How about the, the Ebola panic? When we were told it was inevitable that the dreaded Ebola virus would flood into the United States from the Congo. It's coming any day now. It's going to affect millions, infect millions. That never happened. Interesting side here, Dr. Rowan, who is an expert in ozone, went over there to treat Ebola virus with, with his own money and his own machines using ozone, curing a lot of people. They kicked him out. Think about that. So what happened with Ebola? Nothing. We were panicked. You know what? The entire nation was so panicked that drug makers could get the governments of the world to fund development of a new Ebola vaccine with our money, with taxpayer money. A vaccine was actually developed, and it it didn't do a thing to stop the 2019 Ebola outbreak in the Congo, in spite of some 130,000 doses being administered. And, of course, recently we had the Zika virus. We were told that that virus was inviting, invading the United States from Brazil. It was carried by mosquitoes, carrying it through the southern United States. And it would cause genetic mutations in the babies of all pregnant mothers that got infected. What actually happened? Nothing. It went away in a matter of weeks scared everybody, especially pregnant women who thought they would have deaf and deformed babies. And now we're being treated to the Chinese coronavirus scare. The news media tells us that it somehow passed to humans who have eaten bats, snakes, and mice. Want me to read that again? The news media tells us this particular coronavirus is somehow passed to humans who have eaten bats, snakes, and mice. Then, supposedly, the humans passed the virus they got from eating bats, snakes, and mice along to other humans through coughing, just like the flu. 
But has anybody really checked if this is the flu? You know, there's so much pollution in this province that pneumonia is everywhere, even before this scare. There's always riots and and demonstrations of the people of this province about the pollution and the filth and the dirt of this province, the raw meat in the streets. So let's say this coronavirus is real. There's a big problem. You know, Asian people have been eating bats, snakes, and mice for centuries. To them, it's not new. It's never caused a global viral pandemic. So should we think about that? So is this propaganda? Is this a new threat? Is this the media sensationalizing everything? From the darkest reaches of China, with the implication being that it's foreign, it's out to get us, therefore more serious than if it started here in the United States. It originates from bats, snakes, and mice. Okay, three creatures, everyone in the West cringes at the very sight of. We don't eat them. It's mutating rapidly out of control. It's killing people, for goodness sakes. Lots of emotional triggers here, ladies and gentlemen. We don't want anybody to die, but we have to look at the science. What is real? You know, the Chinese are very private people, and how they appear to everybody else is critical to them. Well, we might. one question we might ask, who could possibly benefit from this foreign killer virus? Do you think it could be the vaccine makers? Did you ever hear of a, of a, of a manufacturing company called Novavax, N-O-V-A-B-A-X? They announced that their stock had soared 68% overnight due to the fact they had been working on a vaccine for the deadly coronavirus from China. Guess what? Now they're coming up with a new vaccine. That's a big surprise to anybody. So I guess, you know, we all would agree that fear is a great marketer for promoting sales. You should know that this this vaccine is genetically engineered using recombinant nanoparticles. This, This stuff gets into your RNA. It's going to get into your cells and it can stay there forever. If you look at their website for this vaccine, they admit that they developed it from genetically engineered cells of bugs. Yes, bugs. That's not the only thing. You'll get genetically modified worm cells that have been infected with another virus. And it's an insect virus from their website. We, quote, we produce our vaccine nanoparticles and cells originally isolated in the 1970s from the ovaries of the fall armyworm. Because this worm can be engineered to carry one or more foreign genes of interest that can be used to program you know they could they 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 are programmed they're engineering this with recombinant protein nanoparticles they want to inject with this vaccine if it gets approved you and your children and grandchildren with genetically modified cells of dead worms that have been infected with so-called benign insect virus in order to protect you from a virus that originated from chinese people eating snakes bats and mice What on earth could possibly go wrong with that scenario? Again, back to John Rappaport and his no more fake news. Quote, that means the vaccine will permanently alter the genetic makeup of anyone who takes the shot, unquote. 
applause and joy at that one, right? John Rappaport also says, quote, you automatically believe this Chinese coronavirus is a killer. You automatically believe the press when they ratchet up the fear. You automatically believe medical experts have found the virus and proved it's causing human illness. You are now on the gong show on real estate. Congratulations, unquote. All right. There's a lot to be learned about this coronavirus. And if it's real or it's just a just a, a, a ploy for vaccine manufacturers to get extra, extra rich. Can colloidal silver, is, it, is that effective against it? You know, colloidal silver is effective against a lot of germs, MRSA, sinus infections. And it probably is, although I haven't seen any studies. Okay, it's effective against SARS, this severe acute respiratory syndrome. Um, so... What do you do? Well, colloidal silver is one thing I would definitely, I would personally recommend that you take it orally and you nebulize with it when you're around people that are sick. Okay. And as Dr. As Phil Safer from Alexis, you know, he sells a, a colloidal silver maker and a nebulizer as a package. And so does uh, Steve Warwick but I have not used his products. I have used the fill savers. You know, there's patents for using silver ions against coronavirus. Okay. And just, just, just Google patent for using silver ions against coronavirus and see what comes up. According to that patent, silver ions can be ions can be used to completely inactivate the coronavirus. So, you know, exciting, right? So let's let's see let's, if this turns out uh, to be true. The other thing that I started doing is using copper utensils, because copper copper ions are also good against infections, and we'll talk more about that when we talk uh, with uh, Dr. Pollock. So that's my take on the coronavirus. Uh, Let's wait and see. Don't panic. You know, ratchet up your colloidal silver. Make sure you take enough vitamin D. Okay, really important. You keep your vitamin D levels optimized. And just to give you an idea how important vitamin D is, it has now been low levels of vitamin D have been linked to atrial fibrillation. Atrial fibrillation is always more common in the winter than in the summer as sun exposure has been decreasing over the last 50 years and vitamin D levels are lower in the winter than in the summer. The authors think this is evidence that higher vitamin D levels might be able to to treat atrial fibrillation. Also, vitamin D. Inhibits inflammation, another great article. Researchers at the National Jewish Health Center. Vitamin D, low vitamin D, raises heart disease risk and diabetes. That's out of the Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis. All right, ladies and gentlemen, We've talked a lot about different things today. I hope you enjoyed the program. Uh, Dr. Professor Peskin will be with us next week. The following week, uh, we will have Joe Catalano. Okay, talk about uh, hemp and, and CBD and why it's important. And I think I'm going to be bringing up vitamin D a lot more because it's so important for our health. And vitamin D, D deficiency symptoms are, are just almost most of, you know, it's whatever you can think of anymore. Okay. We are all there because we've been, we've demonized the sun. So sadly enough, ladies and gentlemen, a deficiency of vitamin D is correlated with increased risk of developing common cancers, autoimmune diseases, hypertension, and various infectious diseases. 
including the flu, pneumonia, and now atrial fibrillation. So we have to talk about which vitamin D to take and why you need to take vitamin K2. It's really important so that calcium goes into your system. It doesn't stay and block up your arteries. And we have to talk a little about, you know, this LDL cholesterol that's been demonized also. It's only when it's oxidized that it's bad. And how does it get oxidized? So we have to talk about that. We have to talk about vitamin D and pasteurized milk, the health benefits of vitamin D. Uh, diabetics need vitamin D. And you don't need normal levels. You need optimum, optimum, optimum levels. Easy for me to say, right? Optimum levels of vitamin D. Your doctor might tell you, oh, your vitamin D level is normal, and you may see it's 32. Should between should be between 50 and 75. So we have to talk about that. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dr. Ron. I am the host of Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored. I appreciate you listening to this program. And everything goes right. We will have Brian Peskin. Uh, the world authority on parent essential oils, absolute authority on parent essential oils, and how you should take them, why you should take them, what is the evidence, what is the scientific evidence about parent essential oils, what is the scientific evidence that fish oils are toxic, not what's the advertising budget, the big pharmaceutical company's budget. What's the science? Where is the science taking us? This MIT graduate will lead us on a great discussion next week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. We'll see you on the radio next week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored with your host, Dr. Ron. We are here each and every week. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule. We bring you medical news that you can use. Medical news that's up to date on drug reactions and interpretation of medical articles. We also have some great guests scheduled. So thank you again. Have a great week. Listen to us on Apple, Alexa, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher. Ciao.